I like to think of myself as a very loyal person. I am a cancer. So that means we are just inherently like loyalty is our uh, strongest quality. And my loyalty doesn't even go only towards relationships and friendships and family. It goes beyond that. It goes straight to parasocial relationships, specifically Taylor Swift. I am an incredibly loyal fan, probably to the point of insanity, but there's nothing I can do about it now. I feel like I'm in too deep. So today I thought I would take it upon myself to be a loyal servant, a public servant, and share my knowledge on Swiftology to you and tell you everything there is to know about Taylor Swift. Call it a Taylor Swift crash course. I have been a fan since probably 2009 and I have I've done it all. I mean, I've done the the fan accounts, the fan pages, the concerts, the merch. I'm literally wearing it right now. And I I it is it is a little bit insane, but there's a lot to cover. And um today's episode is specifically targeted <laughs> towards, you know, anyone who wants to know about Taylor Swift and, you know, maybe their girlfriend is an insane Swifty and he kind of just wants to stay up to date. Then this is a great episode for him. That being said, it is this is really for my boyfriend so he can really just really have a uh, a good grasp on why I am the way that I am. So I this episode might have to be broken up into two episodes because it is this is a lot. I mean, I'm starting from the beginning. I'm I'm not going into like well, okay, here's what this is going to cover. It's going to cover the drama, the alleged who is this song about boyfriends, um, the Kanye West and Kim Kardashian drama, why she's doing the re-records, why we don't maybe like certain people and like why like Swifties don't like certain people because of how, you know, mean they were. It's like whenever you're like you don't like your exes or your best friend's ex because they hurt your best friend. Um, That's how it is for me personally with Taylor Swift. (laughs) I just like, I'm like, you hate them? Okay, so do I. Just right on the bandwagon. Um, But for the most part, they're like pretty valid reasons because these people did like really mean things. So um, yeah, this is going to cover all of the you need to knows. And let's just get into it. So from the beginning, um, you have her debut album that came out in 2006, 2007, I think. And um, these are just a combination of songs that she wrote when she was like 16 and younger. Um, So in terms of like who's this song about... There's not really much going on because it's people that she dated like middle school, maybe high school even, or maybe possibly even younger than that. So it's kind of just like it's her first album and her 
the single that kind of got her started was called Tim McGraw. You've probably heard it before. And this album um, is was made under the record label that she was with up until 2016, 2017-ish. That's important to know. It's called Big Machine Records. It was, he, she was like his first client. His name's Scott Bruschetta. Remember that. And he was, he signed her and they were just, he was just starting out. And so she was taking a big leap trying to start a career um, with a record label who had no prior experience. But she's a good person. And she was like, he believes in me and I believe in him. And so we're going to do this. So basically her career like took off and made his record label what it is today. I mean, he, last time I checked, has a uh, little big town on that record label and like a bunch of other really big country names. The, in terms of like, you know, who we know, like I said earlier, it's all before she was super famous and dating people like we know today, actors and other singers and everything like that. Um, she like name drops one name and uh, teardrops on my guitar, Drew, which we later found out was like, she's talked about like in her early career, she was more open to talk about the song and who it's about but never really saying who it really is about but definitely more open about it than she is now here's here's a very very big part um that we'll discuss later because she signed with this record label she was very young too but she signed i don't know exactly how many years it was but she had to re-sign every every like couple of years and she technically did not own her music her masters what she was putting out she was getting revenue from it because it was her it was her work but she didn't own them she couldn't just like whenever a tv show or a movie wanted to use one of her songs like her record label had to approve it basically and so this is really important because later when shocker spoiler alert she doesn't own them anymore that's gonna be really important for you to remember in this moment she does not own her music and she knows this but it's just like a part of the deal the logistics kind of confuse me but just know she doesn't own them she makes money from them but she doesn't own them so that's kind of the beginning um then we move on to her second album fearless very very popular this is where love story comes from arguably one of her biggest songs ever and this is where her career really takes off this album is the catalyst for her career fun fact she wrote love story when she was like 13 and it was about like how she wanted to date this guy and her parents were like absolutely not she went in her room and then like 20 minutes later came out with the hit love story this is also the one of the first albums this is actually the first album where we know who some of the songs are about or at least we assume because she had been in the industry for a while and she dated Joe Jonas. This is kind of where the first drama and focusing mainly on her love life instead of her music. So now this is kind of where the jokes begin because we know these men that she's dating um, and she writes songs about them. Like that's her thing is being a storyteller. And so when she tells these really detailed and personal stories about her love life, never really saying their names, never saying their names, actually, um, people will speculate. And 
because we don't know like people like to know things and there's this whole debate on like if your celebrity is like does that mean that you chose to be a celebrity so your privacy can just be invaded and your your personal life is our public knowledge I don't really agree with that but that's kind of where this started a recurring theme is like each album and I don't like to say this but each album is kind of like a certain boyfriend's album even though there are albums where it's like there's multiple songs written about like different experiences with different guys just like from the past but fearless is known as like among the fan among the fans as the um like joe jonas album and then speak now is john mayer and then red is jake gyllenhaal 1989 is like harry styles but we're gonna get into that later um but there's not much else to say besides this just being like a time where she became a household name this is also the time where the infamous vma's 2009 incident happened whenever kanye west interrupted her accepting a award for video of the year for you belong with me kanye got up up on stage and he was drunk he later revealed that he jumped up on stage and took the microphone from her and said beyonce should have won the um, best video of the year and at the time um she was dating taylor lautner Taylor was and he was on stage with her and you know they were publicly dating like everyone knew they were dating and recently we found out that Taylor Lautner at the time thought that it was like scripted like he was like because he didn't do anything he just like you know just stood back and like watched it happen but it wasn't scripted and the whole crowd was booing and whenever she released her documentary a couple years ago she was talking about it and she in that moment thought that the crowd was booing her because she's still new into her career and so obviously and he had been in the industry for a while and so she thought the entire like crowd was booing her so you can imagine what that does to a what 18 year old girl 17 year old girl who is like new into the industry and there's people in the crowd that she admires um, and draws inspiration from. So that I can't even imagine what that felt like. So um, he does that. He gets off stage and, you know, she's like, what just happened? Later, Beyonce wins an award and um, invites Taylor to come up on stage and finish her speech. So, you know, no bad blood between Taylor and Beyonce. I don't think ever. Not to my knowledge. Not to my Swiftology degree. So this is the villain origin story. This is where the whole, this is where the beginning of all of the Kanye West drama begins because of his actions. So obviously this doesn't happen very often. So everyone was talking about it. It was huge. Social media wasn't as big back then, but I mean, you have like entertainment news on the TV and, and just everyone was talking about it taylor later touches on this moment in her song back to december on her speak now album uh, um in the line back to that september night the first time you ever saw me cry and the vmas happened in september so that's kind of an insight to their relationship during that time like she obviously cried i would have sobbed actually on stage but she kept it together 
So this is now segue into Speak Now, her third studio album and arguably her best or at least one of her best. Um, She's now several years into her career and she's starting to find her place and how to deal with the media and the haters and the commentary. So this is also post Kanye interaction, aka the villain origin story. It's It was the beginning of the end, some may say. So she releases this album, once again, the quote unquote John Mayer album, even though I feel like that kind of takes away from her artistry and all the other songs that aren't about John Mayer and applying to all the other albums. But this is where we get the song Dear John. Now, this is after, like, obviously they had broken up and he was, John Mayer was 32 whenever he was dating Taylor and she was 18. Not ideal. Um, Legal, but morally incorrect. So this is the song we need to like majorly discuss because this is why like if when I tell people I hate John Mayer, it's like, oh, are you a Taylor Swift fan? It's like, yeah, I am. But I have my reasons. Um, I mean, is it really fair for me to hate him? Because no, but I don't because I don't know him. But like the the details we've gotten that we can kind of interpret throughout her songs makes me hate him for what he did. First example is the song Dear John. Now, Dear John is known as a love letter written typically by a wife to her husband or to her lover who was off fighting in the war or going off to the military. It's a Dear John letter. There's literally a movie called Dear John. And so she was kind of able to get away with this because he later, John Mayer tried suing Taylor because he, I think maybe it was like um, defamation on his name and his career. Um, But there was no proof that that song was actually about him because of that double meaning to it. So um, obviously she's never, she's never actually explicitly ever said who this song is about, except for Teardrops on My Guitar. She said that it was like about this guy she dated in high school or wanted to date in high school. This song is kind of an insight to their relationship and how he kind of, it was just an exhausting relationship. Like she was constantly trying to ace these tests that she he was giving her and like playing these games and she just never knew what she was going to get from him when she woke up that morning like it was just a constant um battle to try and please him and remember she's 18 and he's a grown adult 32 like full adult and so yes while it's legal um it's barely legal (laughs) morally illegal and that's kind of where that starts because we get this really long and passionate song about how she's just pissed she's like I I tried to do everything you wanted me to do but it was just never enough and she later writes songs about him just a few notably would have could have should have on the Midnight's album that was recently released last year the the one line that kills me is give me back my girlhood it was mine first so he kind of took this innocence away from her um at 18 you don't know anything I mean you don't really know anything until I would argue like your late 20s 
And so he was 32. He knew what he was doing. He was very aware, but she's kind of just like, she's 18. She's still completely developing. She just got the right to vote. So there's that. And then the next example of how there's albums where it'll be about like different guys. It's not just like all of the songs are about John Mayer, all the songs about Harry Styles. Like there's multiple songs with, you know, arguably different about different guys. Next we have Better Than Revenge. Um, we assume it's about Joe Jonas and um, how he dated a girl really soon after they had broken up. And she was pretty public about this breakup because on Ellen, he, she was talking about hinting how a guy broke up with her over the phone on voicemail. And she just took that and she ran with it. She was, I would argue, ruthless during this time. And rightfully so. I would be too. I'd be pretty pissed. I'd be like, you want to know what? If everyone wants to keep pestering me about who's this song about, I'm just going to like not say it, but I'm just going to take it and I'm going to run with it. So she wrote the song Better Than Revenge. Um, and she got the impression that this girl kind of stole Joe from her, which is totally, <laughs> totally normal behavior. Um, it's really easy to blame women, especially whenever it's like it involves like whenever say your boyfriend cheats on you and it's like fuck her how could she do this like what a whore like just all these name calling names that just are terrible things to say um because it's just like she should have known better like how could she do this like i'm gonna get revenge on her but then it's just like the guy's just like do 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 you know but i feel like we're starting to like move past that as a society because of this feeling taylor had we got the iconic lines soon she's gonna find stealing other people's toys on the playground won't make her many friends and she's an actress she's better known for the things that she does on the mattress which is just a wild line it's just an insane um unhinged outlandish behavior line that i love but it also kind of goes against feminism in a way that i don't mind but she later changed it in um her version of speak now and changed it to he was a moth she was holding the flames to the matches because it aligned more with her more mature feminist views as like a 33 year old whenever she was re-recording this then we have innocent still on the same album this song arguably we assume is about the kanye west interaction this is her saying like listen it's okay we all make mistakes you're still you're 32 you're still growing up and like I forgive you like it's don't worry about it um just her being a good human uh and I don't even know if he even apologized and if he did oh well that's good I just don't really know how maybe sincere it was um but she basically was just like hey listen no hard feelings um it sucked but just do just try and do better so she's trying to like you know not have any beef with anyone in this industry really and she's kind of like you know just don't just you know try and do better um and she kind of still has this attitude until he just like later we'll get into it but like later just completely ruins everything she was like trying to do which is just trying to be on good terms they don't need best need to be besties but like just do better like just trying to like be indifferent to each other um some other notes about this album she wrote it completely by herself no co-writers um because everyone in the media um and, and the haters were like 
she's not writing these songs. She doesn't write these songs. People are writing them for her. And that's really a terrible thing to say whenever it's kind of just taking away from her hard work whenever you are putting something out and it's just like they didn't actually do that someone else did then she's just putting her name on it like that's a shitty thing whenever you write these songs that are so personal and then someone else just kind of taking away the significance of it and so she was like all right well then I'll write an entire album by myself And this is also where we got the song Mean, where it's about her expressing like the feelings that she got whenever there was this uh, big critic who just slammed on her and was like, she doesn't write her own songs. She's a bad singer. She just not a great review. And it's basically just saying like, why you gotta be so mean? Like basically it's like, it's like a good, like, you know, bullying prevention song. And then she won a Grammy for it. So, and she even said that, like, in her speech, when she was accepting it, she was like, there's nothing better than someone bullying you online and then writing a song about it and winning a Grammy for it. So, just still this unhinged behavior that I love so dearly from her. So, that's Speak Now. That's the Speak Now era. Then we move on to Red, which is her fourth studio album, still with Big Machine Records, okay? This is still country, but this is also where she's kind of experimenting with more pop music and lyrics and melodies and things like that so um once again she's still on this career high this is where we get 22 and we are never getting back together all too well just the iconic songs that everyone arguably knows like 22 the first thing you probably think of probably is the taylor swift song 22 like it's just such a huge song and it's just it's her song then we have um i knew you were trouble once again a giant song like a huge definitely overplayed song and people were saying it's about harry styles but her and harry styles were kind of dating like 2012 which is like like the timing just like didn't really add up however the i knew you were trouble music video was kind of giving some hints that like were about harry styles For example, Harry Styles had this necklace that had a paper airplane on it. And then she was later seen wearing it during the time that they were dating. And so in the music video, she's wearing something like a similar necklace. So we don't really know. It could have been written about like just someone in general. But then later, whenever the music video was, you know, after Red was released, maybe that's like, she was like "Mm, this could also apply to him we will never know I really do hope one day um she releases like a memoir just unleashing every detail um kind of like a an Evelyn Hugo's-esque like it's a book I don't know if you get the reference if you know you know we need to take it we need to take a minute and talk about the song all too well this song um this album Remember how I was saying, you know, the boyfriends, this is the Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, get ready, choose your fighter um, album. And All Too Well is one of her more, it's kind of similar to Dear John, where it really takes you through the story of their relationship. But All Too Well just really gets personal because it's talking also about, you know, his childhood and just a lot of really specific details. It's kind of, this song is meant to show how like maybe there was a little bit of gaslighting involved and she's like 
the the recurring lyric is I remember you were there you remember it all too well I remember it it was rare like you were there I remember it and you remember it just saying that like over and over again because who knows maybe he was just like you know kind of trying to gaslight her and be like oh it wasn't like that it wasn't you know we didn't have this kind of connection like just the typical toxic behavior things the interesting noteworthy part is in an interview during the red era she mentioned how the song kind of started out as like a 10 minute song and at that time she was like i can't put out a 10 minute song so she had to cut it down to like five minutes or something like that or like six minutes and when she said that fans never stopped pestering her for the 10 minute version until later when we got it um in her version when she re-released it which we'll we're gonna get into the whole the re-recordings so that's an important thing that's where the so-called hatred for Jake Gyllenhaal comes in um it's just this gut-wrenching song the arguably her best bridge saying you call me up again just to break me like a promise so casually cruel in the name of being honest I'm a crumbled up piece of paper lying here because I remember it all too well. Let's keep in mind she was 22 when she wrote that. I'm 23 and I could never ever even imagine thinking of anything like that. So now we enter her 1989 era. This is when she moved to New York. This is when she's getting to the city life. She's like, I'm single. I'm sufficient. I'm going to write an album and really talk about my friends and maybe throw in a couple love songs in there um but this was her way of kind of proving to the media like oh you're saying I write too much about my love life okay now I'll write an album about moving to the city and having friends and spending time with my girlfriends she talks about it a little bit later on kind of in her post-reputation era and she's talking about how she spent so much of her career kind of just trying to prove to people like okay you don't want me to write a song about or you don't want me to write about an album about all my boyfriends okay here's an album about me and my friends I'm sharing too much okay I'll go away so it's I just can't imagine how exhausting that must have been so 1989 was her first official pop album where it was like directly labeled pop red is like on the cusp it's like a country pop um definitely not as country as her first debut album was this is where we get her lead single shake it off truly iconic this was her basically telling the haters to fuck off and um also about how at award shows people would be like online trolling her because of her dancing which is so ridiculous because it's like she's not a dancer she's a singer and she's just trying to have fun and sing along and support these other artists that are performing and she's getting ridiculed for it like this poor girl she just can't win it's like anything she does people are going to hate on her for people are also saying that her excitement at award shows were fake and which is just so crazy it's just like people would i just remember people online always saying her reaction to winning awards was fake and it's like, come on, like, you knew you were going to win. Like, that reaction's so fake. Because she was so excited about it. Which I think is insane. I think that if you believe that, you are an insane person. Because it's like, I don't know. It just makes me upset. It makes me a little bit mad. So, 
this is the quote unquote Harry Styles album, even though this the bulk of this album is trying to talk about how, you know, she is living this life in the city with friends and it doesn't just have to be always all about boys. But this is where we get out of the woods and style in Wonderland. Once again, all up for interpretation. We don't really know, but we can, we have some pretty heavy um, evidence that these songs are about Harry Styles. (sighs) During the time, um, that was also when Harry Styles was really big in One Direction, the band he was in. And I think I liked that relationship back then, but I don't really know. Like, I wouldn't be mad if they dated but I also think that they're probably just better off as friends I don't really like to speak too much about her personal relationships which kind of sounds like contradictory to everything I just said but a big part of her career is talking about her love life and um telling these really personal stories so um then we also have wildest dreams which is arguably about this one co-star she had when she was on set for the movie The Giver. Um, Again, how it's not just all about like Harry Styles or all about Jake Gyllenhaal. Like there's different songs about different guys in relationships on one album. That's important to know because everyone's just like, oh, it's the Harry Styles album. Okay, well, she's also talking about some other dude. So how about you pipe down a little bit? This is also a time where like I mentioned earlier her girl boss uh the the swift squad term came into play through the media um she had the bad blood music video where she had all of her friends in the music video and I mean it was everyone was in it Zendaya was in it um Cara Delevingne Selena Gomez um Olivia Benson I don't know her real name from Law and Order uh literally like so many people were in Martha Hunt every like there were a lot of her friends almost all of her friends were in that music video it was just like this fun way of including her friends into um her work and innocently she was just like here you're tired of me talking about boys here's one of like me and my friends and kind of representing how you and a friend have bad blood now which people think it's about Katy Perry but that lore is just like I don't even understand it. So the media was saying that it's toxic and she's sharing too much of her life. And um, even though they said that she wasn't doing that enough. So again, she just can't win. This is also whenever she's dating towards like the end-ish of 1989 era. She's dating Calvin Harris, who is a musician, but like mainly like DJ kind of guy. Good music. Uh, but you know, we don't, this is, it's weird because it's like, that's the time where she was the most public about her relationship, but we also like, don't really know a lot of, like, she hasn't really sung too much about that relationship. Like, I don't really know how he treated her. I just know that, you know, they were posting on social media about each other more than she ever has in the past. Then she had some drama too with Nicki Minaj, where in 2015, when the VMA nominations came out, Nikki didn't get nominated for Video of the Year um, for Anaconda. Nikki tweeted and supposedly indirectly tweeted about Taylor saying, quote, if your video celebrates women, 
with very slim bodies, you'll be nominated for vid of the year with a bunch of blushing emojis because Taylor got nominated for Shake It Off, which also got a bunch of hate too because there was this one scene about with like um, women of color like twerking in the video. But the whole thing is, is that it was like a satire song about like people making fun of her for dancing and all of like the different clips. It was all a bunch of different types of dancing and she's like trying to learn how to do ballet and interpretive dancing and temporary contemporary and she's just bad at all of it so it's like just her making fun of herself but then everyone was just had had a fit about it then taylor responded to the tweet saying i've done nothing but love and support you it's unlike you to pit women against each other maybe one of the men took your slot then nikki responded and turns out the tweet wasn't technically or supposedly about taylor um and then Taylor later tweeted to Nikki and apologized. Then they performed The Night is Still Young at the VMA show together. All is well. Things got settled out. Nikki replied to Taylor's apology and thanked her for apologizing. Everything's well. During this time, um, Taylor and Kanye kind of settled things privately. They're fine. Um, they're friends at one award show there's a picture like taylor and kim took together like everything's fine um then taylor also posted on instagram like this giant bouquet of flowers that kanye had sent to her and was like as a peace offering like everything's fine you know everything's fine in the world and um yeah that's all that's all that's really happening <laughs> until fucking 2016 when if you were a Swifty in July of 2016, you were in the trenches. You you were fighting in a war that you didn't even sign up for. The infamous Kimye Swiftgate incident. Towards the end of the 1989 era, um, not much was going on. Like I said, everything was pretty much fine in the world. Kanye was working on his album, at the time and he was writing the song called famous so the first lyric if you haven't ever heard that song it literally opens up after rihanna's part saying i feel like me and taylor might still have sex i made that bitch famous so whenever you name drop someone in a song i don't know if it's legally you have to get their approval or it's just like a curtis courtesy thing to do but he called taylor and said like, I have this lyric, me, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Like, are you okay with that? Then a video gets released whenever the song comes out. Because Taylor's like, she comes public with it. And she's like, I tried dealing with this behind closed doors and I don't know what to do. Um, he didn't ever tell me about that lyric. The I made that bitch famous. Turns out Kim illegally recorded the phone call, quote unquote, proving that Kanye did check in with Taylor and the whole internet was just like, Taylor Swift is over. It's like, the, that was like the worst, that was the height of cancel culture, I would argue. Um, besides 2020, that was, that was also a scary time. Um, however, nowhere in the video does Kanye say the line, I made that bitch famous. And so that's a big part is whenever a man or just anyone in general who is also a big name, but just 
just really in general claims your fame and takes away all of your hard work you're gonna get pissed about that because it's just like saying like oh I did this for you like you didn't earn this that's gonna be a bit hurtful whenever she found out about that lyric um like I said she went public with it because she tried to handle things privately first and then went public with it everyone including Kim and literally probably millions of other people um we're calling taylor a snake and made hashtag taylor swift is over party trending on twitter for a few days it was a tough time to say the least i remember being a swifty um in 2016 and just like fending for my life anytime taylor swift would come up because it was just like it was a popular thing to do was to hate taylor swift and it felt like everyone I talked to was like, oh, you're a Taylor Swift fan. Like, that's cringe. Like, what? What? What is going on? A few years later, literally within the last like couple of years, I think, we ended up finding out that Taylor was telling the truth all along. And now Kim and Kanye are divorced. And he is a Trump-supporting anti-Semite and a terrible person. He's also very mentally ill. I want to point that out. Like, he's he needs psychiatric help i am very aware of that but he's also still just like not a good person you know um during this time a lot of celebrities also publicly supported taylor beyonce and jay-z actually skipped kim and connie's wedding to go to taylor's birthday party um which i thought was just like a cute little thing to add in because of the whole like him interrupting taylor to support beyonce and beyonce was like no, you didn't need to do that. It's okay. You don't you don't need to it's all right. Just sit down. Like cut out. Selena Gomez tweeted during this time there are more important things to talk about. Why can't people use their voices for something that fucking matters? Um then Martha Hunt, who was in the Bad Blood music video, said it's pathetic how quick our culture is to sensationalize a fabricated story. Um however, there are some people in that music video that sided with Kim and Kanye or just like were really quiet about it or like didn't tweet at all but like were liking tweets that definitely kind of um made their case i like i get not feeding into the drama but taylor swift was literally on like a stake being burned during this time like she was being publicly bullied with like death threats like it was bad it was so bad. But then there was other people that publicly supported Kim Kardashian and Kanye. Demi Lovato liking a tweet saying, I love Kim Kardashian during the whole like hashtag Taylor Swift is over party was trending. Chris Brown, infamously a terrible person, commented on Taylor's Instagram post about when she like went public saying, I don't know what to do. Like I didn't approve of this and this isn't true. Um, he said, oh no, something someone said something I don't like dot 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 ouch my pussy hurt period make music and shut the fuck up so that doesn't surprise me that's something Chris Brown said though um which is that is just like unheard of behavior to publicly comment that on someone's post as like a famous person but just in general is insane um 
Zendaya back then also kind of supported Kim's side by liking tweets about herself. Um, Zendaya, like I said earlier, was in the Bad Blood music video. Her and Taylor were like friends. She was kind of in that friend group. Like, so you would think like you would maybe support your friend. But Zendaya liked tweets. Um, one of it was a picture of her and the Taylor Swift's quote unquote squad um, on one picture. And then the other was a group of girls um, that I don't know who they were, but the tweet said, my girl Zendaya knew better, kind of hinting at this transition that like she's no longer in that friend group. And then liked another tweet saying, I'm glad Zendaya was never really down with that whole Taylor squad shit. So pretty much publicly like making it known that she's not on Taylor's side because no one was believing Taylor. So obviously you can imagine what that does to someone's mental health. Um, Also during this time, whenever she was getting bullied online, Justin Bieber, who also dated Selena Gomez, AKA one of Taylor Swift's closest friends, um, posted on Instagram a screenshot. It was Justin Bieber FaceTiming, scooter Braun and something else i don't know but like not being nice because the the caption was like what's up taylor during this whole debacle and so this is where you know those villain villain origin stories continue she has a lot of them so um naturally she disappears for like four years we no one really heard her um no one saw her she literally just like disappeared and then after that four years reputation was born she deleted everything on her social media she turned off her comments on social media still to this day that's what it is i mean she the her website gone her um all of her tweets deleted everything on tumblr everything on like literally everything that ever she posted in her past gone vanished then she posted these cryptic videos of a snake um and like a in a couple of pictures and we were like what's going on here and she was back baby taylor was back and it's funny because everyone was calling her a snake but she took that and she ran with it and she made it her entire aesthetic for reputation because she was like okay if I'm a snake then I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna make millions of dollars off of it and it worked so she really didn't have a lot of promo going on with this she didn't do interviews because she knew that if she did interviews no one would be asking her about the music everyone would just want to know all the details about why she went into hiding the Kim and Kanye debacle and she didn't want to deal with that. So she literally did no promo for it. She just came out of nowhere and dropped her lead single, Look What We Maybe Do. Lyrically, not her best, but it is insanely iconic. Um, this album discusses many things. Um, the transition from Calvin Harris to when she dated Tom Hiddleston for a hot minute. Um, AKA the Getaway Car song. Truly an iconic song. And uh, also the beginnings like the beginning of her relationship with Joe Alwyn, who she dated for six years and talking about their time in privacy and getting to know each other and how scary that can be. And also just like getting to know 
his friends and his family and how he has a more, a more quiet life and um he's an actor but he is more like not as like well known when she started dating him everyone found out we were all like who is this person so this is where we get delicate dress so it goes end game gorgeous king of my heart new year's day call it what you want truly amazing songs um that felt like different compared to things that she had um talked about in the past she also kind of dives in a little bit with the whole kimye drama aka look what you made me do um this is why we can't have nice things and then later in other albums um like midnight's reputation marked the end of her time in privacy at big machine records and also finally claiming her name so this was the last album that she made with big machine records um i'm trying to think i might want to do two parts of this because we're getting we're getting towards uh, the 50 minute mark and we still have a lot to discuss about the re-recordings the taylor's version taylor and joe and where she is now so i think i'm going to stop it right here and we are going to talk about the re-recordings and what she's doing now and why she's like re-releasing all of her albums and what that means so that's all of her lore up until reputation um the second half of this is equally as important because it's really defining she's like redefining her career and her success and she's like completely done a 180 um in terms of her status among the masses and how people view her so if that sounds interesting to you please stick back next week where i will be doing a part two of this taylor swift crash course and i appreciate you listening and i swear to god this is me checking to make sure my boyfriend is still listening if you are still listening say the word text me the word um baguette just so I know that you really listen to the whole thing. So I will talk to you guys next week and we will continue this conversation. And so you can really just get the the whole Taylor Swift experience. So I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.